ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Welcome to Podcast 192. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, okay, well. I don't remember how we start these, do you? We're, we're on a two-month cycle. <laughs> one one, at, at one podcast, rate, we might two not months. die of old age before we finish Breaking Bad. Uh, so good, so good, though. Um, we are joined tonight uh, by a new housemate and uh, friend and co-worker. Uh, all-around good guy, uh, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, welcome to the podcast, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin moved in, um, I don't know, some number of days ago. Um, More than two? Yeah. Less than 30? Uh, no. No. No, no, it's, it's more than 30. Oh, it's yeah. more than 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's count on you to give us uh, the uh, estimation of what what time someone showed up to a thing yep um no justin has been here since october sometime like mid-october october 11th and uh oh never forget never forget never forget (laughs) no more spiders um too soon probably too soon uh anyway he is a a co-worker of joey and i's uh and it uh uh good good uh good working with you Mm -hmm. um and a fairly quiet roommate so that's that's always nice and I've only killed a few spiders in your basement so far, so I'm okay with that. Are the numbers are down the, comparatively. The numbers are way down. Yeah. So. Uh, and it's warmer and much nicer down there than previous. Yes? Yes. Okay, good. I would feel sad if it was no, but you should feel free to tell me if it's no. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, now that the uh, uh, roommate-landlord uh, discussion is over... Welcome to the podcast. Feel free to interject whenever, you know, we try to keep this conversational. No big deal. Um, gosh, what do we do? <laughs> is, there, is there anything that we want to talk about, bring up, discuss? Um, I have an Adventures in Republican. I'm not sure where we want to put that. Yeah. We do have a top five list. Sure we do. We've yep. got a Joey's Culture Corner. I'm sure we have a Nook from Brainy. Yeah, although he, I looked, I scan, skimmed the email. I didn't officially see it called a Nook, but he wrote a bunch of stuff because he's <laughs> Brainy, and that's what he does. Uh, but, well, yeah, we've got some stuff to, re- to read from him. Anything, like, family-wise that you want to introduce or, or talk about? I, I don't, I, I don't I, really I, know. I think I know what we need to cover here first. Okay. French Stewart. Oh yeah, French Stewart did <laughs> did send us an email, um, and uh, I'm glad you've I'm glad you've mentioned this and you're owning up to uh, uh, up to the the problem. Um, so Joey made a very disparaging remark. Um, it's true, I did re- regarding one French Stewart. I got an email. Hello, gents. I began my day Wait, with a. Can, can you read the the from address of the? Sure. Uh, So the subject is, Joey, this means war. (laughs) From French.Stewart at thirdrock.com. Hello, gents. 
I began my day with a wonderful surprise of a brand new episode of Trek West 5. Hooray! <laughs> I have been a faithful follower for years now and have felt a hole growing somewhat deep inside with the lack of your buttery, smooth vocals. Naturally, I was filled with extreme exuberance at the idea of a new episode of my two favorite gentlefellows. Upon closer inspection, not only was I treated with a new episode of uh, um, adjectives to be named later, but it was a special uh, it was a special centered on a movie that I was in. Quite exhilarating to say the least. I must say I quite enjoyed listening to the first half of the podcast until the following quote from Mr. Joey. Even French Stewart of all people. <laughs> Needless to stay, I was stunned. Never in my life have I felt so blindsided. Seeing as I am most notably a pacifist, this is one of the main reasons Clamato has chosen me as their official spokesman after all. I decided to let it go. It took me a little while, but after a few minutes of reminiscing about all the fun times I had with James Spader and that guy who looks like Ben Kingsley... <laughs> <laughs> I decided to let it go. That is until this little ditty. I'm sorry. I hate French Stewart as an actor. I really do. Is that what I sound like? I to do. You? <laughs> <laughs> Shush. I don't know how that man keeps getting a job. Giggle, giggle. This was, of course, in reference to my character's comparison of the newly discovered planet with the uh, with the Middle East. Naturally, I have a few things to say on the matter. By the way, have you seen the movie Stargate? No, I have not. Okay, well, this uh, that explains the quizzical look on your face. <laughs> ah. Number one, first and foremost, I believe that it is necessary to point out that Lieutenant Ferretti was in no way drawing a connection to the two worlds. Indeed, he was bringing attention to the extreme and unnatural state of the new world. By bringing up the Middle East, a place that is well known for the harshness of living and extreme landscapes, my character is showing just how that landscape pales in comparison. In your words, Yes, clearly an alien planet and the Middle East are pretty much exactly the same thing. I'm glad you just, <laughs> I'm glad you felt you could point that out to all of us. You know, I didn't realize when I when I brought this up that I was opening the can of worms of listening to Pete impersonate me for twenty minutes. Oh yeah, this is uh, this is a real highlight of the podcast here today. <laughs> I feel it is self evident that I was explaining just how different the two worlds are. What Earth considers harsh and uninhabitable is nowhere near the difficulties exhibited on this alien planet. Two. I don't feel that the blame for a line that is uttered by a character that I portray, be it misunderstood or not, should be placed on my shoulders. I did not have the thought. The writer did. If, I ha if you have a problem with it, take it up with Mr. Devlin and Mr. Emmerich. I feel quite happy with the line and remember having many conversations with the two about how important it was in order to show how hostile the landscape was. Countless hours went into the perfecting of that line, 
and you punish me because of your obtusity. Three, I believe that my October 15th tweet says it best. Flying LAX to Atlanta is like boarding a chicken truck to Bolivia. I believe that says it all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In closing... Uh, in closing, the war is on, Mr. Joey. I could go on for pages describing in great detail all the ways I will haunt your dreams and darken your footsteps, making your life a living hell. However, that would be too be too easy. All I will say is soon. <laughs> kind regards, French Stewart. Postscript, Peter, your voice sounded lovely today. Have you been using the entertainer's secret I sent you? You can really notice the difference. (laughs) It is extra lovely today. (laughs) Post-postscript. Mr. Joey, even I understood that it wears off in a minute. Um, In reference to when they come through the gate. Uh, By the way, I've not bothered to go back and rewatch. I I don't know. (laughs) But clearly we, French Stewart, who was in the film sides with me on this and he actually gives uh there's an mp4 um and he finishes with they don't give tv guide awards to just anybody (laughs) don't they (laughs) (laughs) have you received one i have never been on television you haven't received one have you uh, okay, listen, French, I I feel really terrible about I, I, this. I feel like I do need to apologize. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I was wrong. It is not French Stewart's fault that he was given a bad line in that scene. I'll own up, own up to that one. It was poor writing. Uh, and I, I, I still hold my contention that I don't like French Stewart as an actor. But I think I'm entitled to that opinion. Some people don't like Patrick Stewart as an actor. Okay, maybe I chose a bad example. Uh Some people don't like other people as actors. (laughs) (laughs) Now now that I think about it, probably everyone likes Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Oh my gosh, who hates Patrick Stewart? Oh, that would be so terrible. Uh, Anyway, uh, let's move on to another email from, uh, from John Leindecker. Uh, He says, hi, guys. You mentioned on the podcast that you would like to meet when I'm in Salt Lake. Do you still want to do that? Um, Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to meet you, John. And uh, it would be our honor to uh, take you out to some dinner someplace where they serve food. Um, So, yeah, just let us know. Um, Apparently, I haven't bothered to read this email that you sent all the way back on October 21st. Um, I'm only a month late, so again, my apologies. Hopefully we haven't missed the window. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be terrible if I had. Uh, uh, Okay, yeah, that's it. Those are emails for now. Okay. Um, Nothing you wanted to talk about? I don't really feel like I've got anything I necessarily want. I mean, I think I mentioned, you know... Uh, the hell we've been going through. We, we launched a website, um, uh, not launched it, migrated it to a new hosting uh, company, upgraded it. Um, there was a lot of work involved, yada, yada. I'm done. Um, 
Uh, Justin, anything you want to mention? And it's a, it's a free forum at this point. Say what you like. The only thing I can think of is that I think I'm the only person in this room that has a degree in film. So maybe <laughs> I don't know if that makes my opinion more valuable. But I just want to point that out. Um, you don't actually have an opinion to express yet. You're just saying when you do, we right. should give, be given more weight. I should get a little bit more points on this. Okay. Do we score? Is there a score here? <laughs> uh, there will be a rating given at the end of each episode. Okay. Um, but but, but uh, it's for the episode, not for us. <laughs> We're not rating each other. <laughs> oh, should I, Thank I should heavens stop. no one has ever tried to do that. <laughs> I should stop putting points next to your guys' Yeah, name. yeah. But yeah or I, stop subtracting them. <laughs> Five points from Gryffindor. Oh, so good. Um, okay, Facebook Find of the Week then. Um, everyone wins Facebook Find of the Week because we didn't do anything with it. I'm pretty sure Brainy probably won it because he's the only guy posting there, really. No, it's not true. People have been posting there. Uh, Mark's posted something there. Um, I think Bob posted something. Everyone posted something, and for that, uh, you all win uh, an award that uh, we've stopped giving out <laughs> many years ago. Uh, but wasn't it great when we were handing out those awards? Made you really try for something? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? This show is a shambles, man. <laughs> um, okay, let's see here. Do we want to do... Um, Adventures in Republican? We can do an Adventures in Republican. Then maybe do Top 5, Brainy, and Joey's Culture Corner? Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I don't know if, you know, for anyone who's not following Facebook that may still be listening to the podcast, but I did get elected to Congress, or at least my surrogate did. Mia Love won here in Utah. Yep. We are sending an entirely Republican delegation back to Washington. Fantastic! I can't see how anything bad <laughs> could possibly go wrong, go wrong with yeah. that. Uh, but more interestingly, at least for me, uh, I have received several phone calls in the past month encouraging me to run for Utah County Republican Party chair in April. Wow! Uh, I have graciously declined all of these offers and, and questions of my level of interest because. I've got out of that bear trap, and I will not be putting my foot back in it again. <laughs> um, are these, like, crackpots no. who are contacting you? These are, like, uh, legitimate party... These are, these are people who are saying, well, at least while you were in there, you didn't make any enemies. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, nobody who's still in the county. <laughs> Go figure out for yourself who I'm talking about there. <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay, well, I, listen, I know you your political activism. It's a positive thing. I know you did enjoy parts of it. Why, why not go back to it? Is it still a little too raw, a little too fresh? Like uh, all the for the most part, I I've kind of decided I'm going to try to stay out of the county party leadership. And instead work with candidates running for office and work on issues that I strongly believe in. Part of the problem with being a county party officer is that you're not allowed to speak your mind about certain things if they run at all contrary to what the county party line is or the state party official line on that subject is. You're, you're told basically keep your mouth shut. If you want to have an opinion, go ahead and resign. 
well, I, I'm resigned. I'm out. So I'm going to take some time here to actually work on some issues that have been bothering me. And now I can I can start calling up senators and Congress people and try to move the needle a little bit here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to be- get back into it because I know it was a pain in the butt and uh, <laughs> uh, not uh, not super pleasant. So yeah, stay stay away. That's my advice. Um, okay, good uh, good adventures in Republican. So let's go ahead and do uh, our top five. Um, and the top five this week um, was uh, top five things you are thankful for. So we got a couple of people who emailed in some lists. This should give you a moment or two, Justin, okay. to think of uh, some things that you might be thankful for in a uh, in a certain order. Uh, let's go and start with uh, listener M. He says, hey, dudes, congratulations to both of you for surviving trying times at work. You both are an inspiration to us all. I had a minor adventure in Republican recently. I got to vote for Mia Love in the recent general election. Oh, nice. How are you all planning on celebrating the upcoming Peter Nash Day? Do you think it has gotten too commercial? <laughs> we need to talk about this at work. No, yeah, no, this no we really it, don't. It's going we to happen. We really don't. Okay, his top five Thanksgiving edition. Number five, my improving health. Number four, good friends and family. Three, soap and deodorants. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my list, but I'm also very grateful yes, for that. Thankful they exist. Yep. Yes. Uh, number two, gratitude. How awesome <laughs> is it that humans are capable of being thankful? Number one, indoor plumbing. Especially toilets and the convenience of not having to worry about disposing of my own sewage. <laughs> Um, I really hadn't thought of that one, but it that really sounds nice. You know, I grew up for much of my life without indoor plumbing. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, and it's weird that Wyoming isn't considered better than it is. <laughs> uh, good list, uh, M. Thanks for sending that in. We will shift over to Barini. He says, sup, dudes. How exciting to be recording another quarter annual podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope everyone had a good Halloween and a good fall for that matter. I was proud to dress up as Brainy Smurf this Halloween. (laughs) Pictures or it didn't happen. I want to see him. Um, And I continually said it is because of my nook of darkness that I do with my Mormon buddies. Another note, where the event is that tonight at the Pittsburgh Penguin hockey game, the girl I am dating sang the national anthem. I'll try to post it on the Facebook page. Yay for me and for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Love to hear that uh, happen. Uh, I'll happily like that once it gets posted. I'll like it probably about a month after it gets posted. (laughs) Just going by history. So, that is something I'm pretty thankful for. And what appropriate timing for our top five this week. Things to be thankful for. Honorable mention goes to nuclear fission and mitosis. (laughs) Also, not on my list, but thankful for them. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. I can get behind that. Number five. 
photosynthesis. Number four, bees. Without them, we would never have honey nor almonds, two of my favorite things. So maybe this is three things to be thankful for. <laughs> three, being the 1% of the world. You got to make more than 38 grand a year to be in the 1% of Earth. However, I feel like even those who are a little less than that are still in the upper echelon of fortunate people on this planet. Number two, tacos. Having lived in San Diego has afforded me a unique appreciation for this culinary art form. Um, I like tacos. I just want to stop for a second. I, I like tacos. Um, as a kid growing up, it was always the hard-shelled tacos. That's what I knew hmm. as tacos. Okay. Taco Bell, it was hard-shell tacos. At home, hard-shell tacos. Um, the... The Mexican joint I eat at now, when you get a taco, you don't really get a hard-shelled taco. I mean, you can order it, but almost all of them are a soft-shell taco. There's still corn tortilla. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've seen some that are corn. Absolutely. Yep. The thing that I'm bugged about is the fact that with a soft-shell or a tortilla, is that... That's just a lazy burrito that couldn't be bothered to wrap itself up. Like, honestly. How how in the world? I, I, I just, I ba when I get the thing, I just basically kind of finish wrapping it up there. And, and try not to make as much of a mess as is going to happen. With you know, the taco. I, I would weigh in on this topic, but with having recently, so recently offended French Stewart, I don't want to offend fans of Mexican food everywhere. So I will keep my opinion in reserve. To be fair, it's all the same stuff. Meat, cheese, tortilla. It is <laughs> right. pretty much all that, just different combinations. Yeah. Okay. All right. I still like tacos. I want to be very clear. I am pro-taco. <laughs> The Taco Man. Number one, the overlords of Trek West 5. Oh. As Peter iterated and uh, this week's email, they have literally gone to hell and back for their audience. Do you hear that, everyone? Thank you, Peter and Joey. But mainly Peter. <laughs> I added that last part. Uh, it occurred to me you might have based on the look <laughs> on your face. <laughs> Oh, so good. Um, okay, uh, Justin, have you had a chance to think of some things you're thankful for? And would you like to share them? You are not required to. I tried to think of some things, but then I got distracted by everything going on. <laughs> um, so he's thankful for distractions. <laughs> distractions, <laughs> actually, distractions I am very thankful for. They get me through the work day. I very thankful for those. I'm thankful for your basement as it is housing me right now. So uh -huh. that is very nice. Um, I'm thankful for food because food is always good. I love food. <laughs> and we just went and got food and that was delicious. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. I think that's about it. Uh, good enough Everything. Everyone else had funny stuff. I'm just going to – there you go. That's... No, those are serious things and I appreciate all of them. All right. uh, I can even get behind all of those things. Joey. All right. 
My number five is technology. Without that, I probably would lead a much less interesting life than I do. Okay. Maybe that would be a good thing, but <laughs> uh, number four is our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little cornball. <laughs> but I got thinking about this, and here's the you thing. You sentimental old fool. <laughs> here's the thing. I can't be bothered to listen to a podcast, even ones that are related to my career. I cannot follow a podcast consistently. It blows my mind that people will sit there and listen to you and I talk about right. the most random crap right. week after week. I think it's pretty amazing, and you guys are awesome. Number three is books. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of the Erasmus quote, Whenever I get a little money, I buy books. If there's anything left, I buy food and clothing. <laughs> um, you know, much of where I've gotten in my life, I can directly attribute to my love of reading. You know, even just the fact that I made it out with what little scraps of sanity I do have out of my childhood is because I was able to escape so often into the world that books offered me. So they continue to be a, a very important part of my life, and I'm just very thankful for them. Uh, number two, of course, is my children. Dang it! JJ and Beth. I was so hoping that you were going to rate one over the other. <laughs> I was like, when we were in the car ride, and you're like, okay, I got the first three. And I was like, all right, fine, his wife and kids. Um, I, I was really hoping like you were going to put like, uh, Beth was annoying me today. So she's number three and JJ's number two. If we want to have that conversation, we can have that conversation. <laughs> Beth is the favorite. There's no question. <laughs> Everyone in the family knows it, including JJ and Beth. <laughs> I try not to rub his nose in it, but that's just the way it is. Uh, and number one is my wife. Uh, you know, I, I, I was giving her a hard time the other night about how she's never I said you know I think everyone else that has a wife that I know has had their wife on our podcast at some point I mean it may not have been true but it was convenient for the conversation and <laughs> you know I was giving her a hard time because we thought there was a chance she might be here tonight yep and even with that being the case even with her be planning on being here tonight she was unwilling to come on the podcast <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, everyone else's wives has been on the podcast. Why won't you come on my podcast? <laughs> and she pointed out that she supports our podcast just fine by continuing to let me attend. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to her point, is more than could reasonably be expected of any wife. <laughs> so thank you, sweetheart, and I'm very thankful for you. Why are you saying that? You know she's not going to listen. Nope, but I know I said it. <laughs> Oh, too funny. Oh, man, that's great. Um, all right, so um, uh, I have an honorable mention. Okay. Money. I love money. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's the best S gift card anywhere, except so at almost all retailers. <laughs> if I had one other thing to be thankful for, it would be the internet. If there is anything Ooh, that I would yeah. rise up for and be like, I need this, it would be the internet. I would. Okay. That's it. I was going to cancel uh, the the internet for the house, but I'm glad you said that. I will continue that <laughs> you, subscription. You decided that that's the thing you're going to continue to support. Yes. It would have ended badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number five is uh, something uh, uh, that's very, very new. None of you will have probably heard about it, uh, but it is Salty Lake Radio. Uh, so this is uh, our, our my buddy uh, Sean. Uh, I think he. Some of you may know him as the Duke. He was 
on our podcast sure. a couple of times. He lived here for a little while before he got married. Um, he is um, a very, very creative guy, and I laugh all the time when I'm around him. He and his wife are great, great friends. Anyway, he and his wife started a um, a radio podcast, and what they're doing is they're taking old-time radio programs, and they're taking the script, and they're re-recording it um, and with their own voices. <laughs> so the first one they did uh, was called The Canterville Ghost. Uh, it's only about 30 minutes. Um, it, you can find it on iTunes now. Um, or you can just go to saltylakeradio.blogspot.com. And again, that's saltylakeradio.blogspot.com and take a listen to it. Um, that, that was their first one, the Canterville ghost. The second one, I, whose name I don't remember, I actually got to participate in, in the recording <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I did some voice Work? So, yeah, I, I, I do. I don't want to say work because uh, I, that would be insulting to people who do voice work. Um, I made sounds that uh, pretended to be like you know other people's characterizations. Um, tons of fun. Go go and listen to it. Um, number four is a job. I am actually incredibly grateful for my job. I get to do something that I enjoy. I get to work with good people. Most of them. You know, there's another person now who works with you in the room. He may interpret that wrong. Uh, no, I was looking firmly at you. <laughs> I already mentioned how, how great it is to, to have him. Uh, anyway, the, it, it gives me the chance to make money, um, and I have a house over my head. I've got food. I've got clothing. Um, it has allowed me to have so much. So a good job with good people that I respect is is. Really grateful for that. Number three is semi-related, um, a strong mental and physical constitution. Um, I've been blessed, I feel, with uh, a, a bright brain um, and really good physical uh, acumen in my life. I'm not by any means a professional athlete, but physically I'm I'm in great shape. I've been able to play sports all my life, um, and I like to think that I can think. Um, and so that, that means something for me. Number two, um, friends. Uh, I have some wonderful friends. Uh, Justin, thank you again for being here tonight. <laughs> you know, point and glances don't come over podcasts. Oh, uh, everyone just knew what <laughs> happened there. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, yes, aside from, from Joey, who has been, you know, a friend for many, many years now, I have wonderful friends who enrich my life in wonderful ways. Um, and, uh, I, I, I feel blessed to, to have them in my life. Number one, uh, is none of your damn business. And I can't believe you guys would even ask this of me again. <laughs> um, uh, again, it's absolutely fantastic and wonderful, but it's so incredibly painful and difficult, and uh, my life is absolutely askew, um, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Are we ready for a uh, Brainy's Nook? Yeah, let's go ahead and bring out uh, Brainy. Um, he says, hey, Joey, I was thrilled to hear that you had also read Spin and appreciated its unique take on sci-fi. 
I thought it is worth mentioning that one of the most recent TED Talks features uh, features Will Marshall talking about tiny satellites in the exact same manner that they are used in the novel Spin. Interesting. Spoiler alert about this book. A major premise is that all the remains of a civilization are millions of years um, are the tiny little self-autonomous satellites that kind of become entities. So it was fascinating to hear an actual take on this technique and how it is already being used in outer space as we speak. Cool and way to be supervisionary, Robert Charles Wilson. And for a little, for a quick little, uh, he says book of darkness, but I'm going to think he means nook of nook darkness. Of darkness. Yeah. This week, I start off by asking Peter, what did you think of this series eight of the doctor? I adore Capaldi's, Capaldi's approach to this crazy alien. And so I thought I would highlight one of my favorite episodes from this season. Listen. Uh, by the way, really enjoyed Peter Capaldi. I think he's done, uh, as an actor, he's done well. I think some of the writing has been weak this season. Anyway, I, I continue. Joey, I think, the aws- uh, I think the awesome if you took a chance and watched this episode, although I'm not holding my breath. I think I enjoyed it so much because it's a profound message and also a great one for the children as the doctor explores why he is afraid of the dark. This episode is very Stephen Moffat, and it seemed to also be quite polarizing with the fandom. It's certainly a different kind of episode, and I appreciated the core message, which is basically an empowering, inspirational, and encouraging perspective toward fear. Of the reviews I heard of the episode, those that echoed my sentiment very well were especially those who watched the episode with their children. For at the heart of the episode are a couple of little dudes who are afraid of the dark. They learn to harness their fear and redirect the adrenaline toward conquering the task or obstacle at hand. Not a new idea, but a good one. Quote, fear is like rocket fuel, close quote, says the doctor. Now I won't spoil this episode for anyone who hasn't seen it, but if you appreciate Moffat's take, uh, take on childhood fears, and this is certainly a contribution worth checking out. Uh, I know the episode he's referring to, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was quite a good episode. It was one of the few that I actually really, really enjoyed. Do I have to watch any of the rest of the season to get the context of what's going on? Um, no. I mean, he's a new doctor. I mean, I could probably fill in some of the okay. general blanks. But I don't think so. Okay. I don't. I don't think you'd be required to do it like that. Let, let me ask you this, because you know the thing I can compare this directly to is the bu- musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I watched, having had Curtis explain just a few things to me of what the context was, mm-hmm. and in- terribly enjoyed that. Thought it was fantastic. It, probably about the same. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the musical episode. No, I yeah, just so very we're few clear. things ever are. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I could explain enough of it for you to get the general sense of what's going on with the, the rest of the episodes. I, uh, I can't remember, Brainy, if we've already talked about this. Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But uh, Sci-Fi Channel is planning on doing 
a new series based on Leviathan Wakes and the Expanse series written by who I think is one of Brainy's favorite authors is uh, James S.A. Corey, which is actually two authors writing under a right. common pen name. But uh, I just I was curious if you have been following this at all, Brainy, what your thoughts are, if you're excited or worried or you know, maybe next time we have a podcast, I don't know what January. Yeah. <laughs> See what we can work it, it in. It may be on TV by the point we record again. <laughs> uh, okay. So that, uh, Brainy, thanks very much uh, for, for sending in your nook. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner. Okay. Uh, for Joey's Culture Corner this week, I'm going to be talking about the documentary film Ivory Tower. This is one that I watched recently. And I have to say is probably – I can't think of another time in my life where I watched a movie – and came away from the movie wanting to change the world. Like, really fired up about making a difference in the world. It's a documentary about the secondary or the, the postgraduate education system in the United States of America. And it covered a, a few different topics. Now, you have to remember, I have not attended college or university. And so I, I guess I just always thought that it, that, my disdain for the American education system was just me. Like <laughs> I was just, I just, I was just that much of a curmudgeon that I had a problem with it. After watching this movie, I've come to the realization that this system is fundamentally broken and it's a, it's a huge mess. They, they talk about three different aspects of it. The first one is the student loan crisis, mm-hmm. which is a huge financial problem coming down the pike at the American economy and it's going to be an, an ungodly mess when it hits us. I don't know how we're going to survive that one. The second item that they cover is the idea of schools marketing themselves as a consumer product. And what does that do to the quality or the value of the education that is delivered? And, and obviously the people who made this documentary had an axe to grind. But their big issue was, well... What everyone wants, what people want when they go to college, they want a party school. They want to go and get drunk and, and sleep with people and do this for four <laughs> years. That's the story that they're telling in the documentary. Okay. Now, I, again, didn't go to college. Not quite sure how true that is. They certainly had a particular axe to grind on that one. And the point that they make is that, look, if you're trying to get an education – Buying a product is maybe not necessarily the best way to decide how you're going to become educated. It's an interesting concept that I had not thought of before. The third problem that they call out is the general lack of preparation or understanding that a lot of people have when they go into university and and college educations. They just don't know what they're getting themselves into. And this is the part of the, the movie where I thought, this is something I can do something about. Now, again, I haven't been to college. But what I have done is I have participated in a lot of what they call MOOCs. And they talk a lot about MOOCs in this movie. That's massively online open courseware. This is where universities are starting to make available on the Internet through technology the education that you can get. So what they want people to do is to, before they attend college, have gone online, taken the classes already, and be prepared for what that class is going to expect of them 
in the actual coursework and recitations and quizzes and papers and things that they have to write. Uh, the, the ideal situation being that you come into college already knowing what's going to be expected of you and therefore they have a much higher graduation rate, which means they have a better product that they can sell and they can get more people in the door and they can continue to grow and yay capitalism, right? Um, <laughs> but okay. here, here's the thing that it got me excited about is they're starting to introduce now in at the high school level and even younger. And, and I know, Pete, you and I have talked, I think, a little bit about this uh, Salman Khan I think mm-hmm. introduced some of these concepts a little bit too, which is the idea of what they call a flipped classroom. This is where the person goes home and does all of the what today would be the coursework, actually listening to lectures and reading in the text and you know doing the things that today we would do in the coursework and then uses classroom time to do what today we would consider homework. So we're flipping the entire concept of homework and classwork. So you're doing your independent study, and then as you're trying to work through problem sets that are not predefined, that are not part of the course materials, there is someone there ready to help you. So the teachers, instead of becoming lecturers, become tutors and assistants in helping you educate yourself. The thing I like about that system, the thing that interests me about it, is... It empowers people who are willing to learn on their own. It gets the teacher out of their way. And for those people, for the times they struggle, there's someone there to help them. There's a time set aside for someone to be there to help them. On the other hand, the people who are never going to apply themselves to that class, they're, they're not holding back the rest of the class because they're not willing to apply themselves. Because the teacher is only there for people who are trying to apply themselves. I thought this was a fantastic idea. I've been exchanging emails with some individuals at the University of Utah to try and get some flipped classrooms going in Utah County, uh, potentially even participating as an instructor in such a flipped classroom for computer science. And that's one of the reasons why I don't want to run for county leadership. That's one of the... I've lost the word. Platforms? (laughs) No, not platforms. The, the the problems that I want to solve. Okay. One of the particular pieces of what's wrong with the world that I want to try to step in and do something about. The Utah County Republican Party is a lost cause. I'm, <laughs> let's all just wash our hands of them right now. Seriously. Uh, but I feel like there are people who are out there. They're struggling. They're wanting to learn. They're wanting to grow. And and I think of myself at that age, and that was how I that was like that was the thing that frustrated me the most about high school was I would go home and I would sit down and I'd read the textbook and I'd get the ideas and then I'd go to class and have to sit through the teacher reading the same thing over again or teaching the same thing over again and I thought you know what I know this part why won't you come help me focus and so a flipped classroom is what I wanted as a kid I really think I would have responded well to that system and so I want to be part of providing that to someone else. I give the movie Ivory Tower a thumb up. And again, if if you're at all inclined, I encourage you to reach out to your local educators and try to find out how you can become involved in flipping classrooms in your area. Okay. Um, I tried. uh, I I let glances sneak out. (laughs) I I tried to let you have your piece there. 
Um, I I am 100% behind uh, empowering people to educate themselves and taking their education seriously and into their own hands. Uh, I don't think that it is uh, a requirement or recompense upon the instructor to give all knowledge and information to a child. The child and the parents of the child bear the responsibility for sure. doing this. Um, the you called this a movie document at the end like when you closed you called it a movie at the beginning you called it a documentary okay the so i was having a, a chat with a friend and uh are documentaries not movies that well the the point that i want to make is documentaries should not be going in with an axe to grind in my opinion okay Documentaries should be a you know unimpassioned statement of here's Here I'm documenting facts. this thing. Now, having someone come through and say I think there is a problem with the, the system and and it is bad in so many different ways and here's all the reasons that it's bad. Uh, great, do that. Let's just call it a different okay. thing. I don't know what we call it as a society. I don't, I don't know, but in my mind, that's not a documentary. That's a person who well, – it's Michael Moore. Yeah. It is kind of – I'd say it's very it, similar to a Michael right. Moore production. Yeah. They label it as a documentary. Sure. I think that that's what the – well, as our resident right. film uh, critic <laughs> or uh, – Student. Uh, it's it's hard to separate, I think, when it comes to like for, – for a documentary to not have a point of view, to not have a motive. Like to have a pure just documentation is is almost hard to do. The only thing I can think of that would be close to that would maybe be like planet Earth where all they did was document animals. When you have a motive or have something that you're trying to, in a way, sell to people, mm-hmm. then you kind of maybe lose a bit of the documentary. Right. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, great way of describing that. Um, I love public education. I loved what I had in school growing up. I loved the education that I got in high school. I loved the education that I got in my junior college. I loved the education that I got at my regular university. Um, I put into it what I wanted to. My parents put in what they wanted to to the education, and the vast majority of their children came out very well educated and and sure. are you know people who can contribute to society in meaningful ways, and they're not a burden by any means. Um, that being said, uh, a system that would allow uh, kids to be able to learn better, great. I'm, I'm all for exploring that. What I have a problem with is someone saying the system is wrong. I, I think there are some problems with the system, but to just blatantly say the system is wrong, I would bristle at. And I only say that because of the experiences that I've had. And sure. the amount of people that we have managed to educate in our society today, which is, I think, a lot. Now, granted, I think we're grossly undereducated when we compare ourselves throughout the world. Um, you know, when the comparisons that get done, um, I, I, I don't really want to, you know, talk on that because I'm not, I don't have enough figures and facts <laughs> to, to properly do that justice. But the responsibility regardless of the system that you are in ought to be on the person who is learning and the people who is helping them learn and i want to be clear i do as as much as i 
as bitter as I am about my experience with the public education system, I take a lot of responsibility for my failure to fit into that system and to learn how to use it to my own advantage. I had a very specific, very stubborn idea of what I thought was right, and I was never going to bend and never going to flex, and I had no interest in anybody giving me any other way of doing things. I realized that is on me. That is my fault, and it's my problem. Um, and, and and you know, I like that you said it's on the children and on the parents. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I talked to you about Beth's recent Yeah, you did. You mentioned that to me, yeah. Where we went in and the teacher – in a very serious tone said, I don't know what you guys are doing with your daughter, but I would love to be able to send some other children over to your house on a regular (laughs) basis for you to help them because our daughter has been qualified as gifted in three different subjects in school. And some of that is just the fact that she was born smart. Uh, (laughs) Full credit to her. Fantastic kid. She works hard. She's very intelligent. She's very dedicated. But I've also tried her whole life to let her know, I'm proud of you. You've done well, but I still think you can do better. And I want to see you do better. And let me help you do better. Let's work on this together. What are you struggling with? Let right. me help you get past that. Right. So I, I, I love that you added that aspect in there that it is the parents. Because I can tell you that I didn't get that growing up. And yeah. I don't know that I would have been open to it in the, re- in the situation that I was in in my childhood. But I, I – very strongly believe it's had an impact on Beth and her ability to grow and to take advantage of some of the opportunities that she has. But again, all of that being said, the the only part of I retired that I really felt was very ax grindy was, hey, college is just a place where people get drunk and have sex. Like yeah. that was there was there was a very clear personal issue going on there, but kind of behind the by by on the part of the filmmakers. Um, but the the two end cap pieces, the student debt crisis situation, mm-hmm. I I look at it and I say, you know what, that's very legitimate. I've done it. I went end up going and doing some independent research on it just to kind of check their numbers because I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I was like, there's no way, there's no way these numbers can be as big as these guys are saying they are, and they absolutely are. It is huge. Yeah, it, it, it is a a problem. I put the responsibility not on the system of education, but on the government. And the people who, I mean, I I fully believe in let the buyer beware. Understand what you are getting yourself into by taking on this debt. Sure. Uh, and I think the government is, it's absolutely ludicrous the amount of interest that we charge uh, on the student loans. I, I think that is near criminal, uh, given the, the free loans that we give to major corporations <laughs> Uh, and banks and, and whatnot. I, I think it's absolutely criminal that we, we charge the people we're trying to educate and help make for a better future and cripple them before they can even get out of the starting yeah. gate. Well, and you know me. I've been on a soapbox for at least 15 years about yeah. our our relationship with the philanthropic foundations of universities and how that relationship has been squeezed down to the point that there's – no downside for the universities. They cannot possibly lose money with a philanthropic foundation because of all the benefits and breaks that the federal government gives them in that. And I would love to see that changed a little bit. But that that was that was one of the bookends. The bookend that I thought was more interesting. That I again I walked out going that motivated me to try to make a change in the world today mm-hmm. is this idea that I'd heard Khan talk about this idea of a flipped classroom and I thought that's pretty cool. It sounds interesting. But 
in this movie, the way it was presented and the way they talked about how technology is going to be such a big part of that. If it's going to be successful, if flipped classrooms are going to become a long-term thing, it really has to be driven a lot by technology in order to have the long-term success. Now, when Khan talked about it, it was all about, here's my product and how my product is going to make this successful. But these guys were looking at it in a more general aspect to say, here's how technology in general will help this concept become successful. And that's what opened me up to the idea that, you know what, I do technology. I've been quite successful at it. It's been good to me. Maybe it's time I turn around and, and try to use that to have a little bit more impact on the world than what I've been doing to this point. Yeah, I I really wish that as a society, parents and children took their education much more seriously than they than they do today. I feel like the educational system that we're in right now could be advanced much more if um, the the parents and the the children got engaged together uh, in a much more uh, significant, meaningful way. Um, so I, if uh, if there are some you know some good things that can come out of this. Uh, you know, fantastic. Get the power into the people's hands and let them educate themselves. I, I that would be fantastic. What was the name of the documentary again? Ivory Tower. Ivory Tower. Uh, is it on Netflix. You know, I don't know. I picked it up at Redbox. Okay. I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes one through two of Breaking Bad season one. Uh, and we'll begin with episode one, Pilot. And so, with a pair of pants floating through a desert landscape, we begin the tale of the fall of Walter White, a high school chemistry teacher who is diagnosed with cancer and begins to devolve to a baser being. Okay, um, I, I didn't cover this before. I think I mentioned it in the email. Um, Joey, you have seen season one. Yes. Parts of season two. I watched part of... Maybe the entire first episode of season two. And then stopped. It, it didn't grab me as much as the first season had. So I just kind of said, you know what? I'll finish that. Come back and finish that later. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you to do what we did with Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> which Thank is, you. Um, you know, you have to watch this spoiler free. But I would ask that you not go out of your way to, you know, just blatantly go to the end and say, oh. Oh, that's what happens like there are some unique things that happen that are fun and, and interesting and i would also just want to reiterate to our listeners uh, try not to give away too much about what's coming up um just because i i, I like surprises uh, uh, in, in this regard um but uh having said all of that super excited here to begin breaking bad um, and you covered it really well with that introduction. So, wow. I, I didn't think you knew how to write introductions anymore. I, I was wondering if I'd get a compliment out of that. I thought, I'm going to be ready with an intro this time, and Pete probably won't even notice. <laughs> oh, I noticed, and you should have noticed. I also still didn't compliment you. I was thinking about it. I, I was sitting there, should I say something? Uh, let it slide right now. Yeah, good man. Um, yeah, so this is a bold opening. Um, where he's filming himself. Uh, he's standing out in the middle of the desert uh, in, in, his his, underwear. in his underwear. Classic uh, green shirt tucked into the underwear. Wow. 
it kind of grabs you. And the question you ask is, how in the world did we get here? Yeah, you want to know right away what brought this guy to the situation. But it's also quite obvious he's totally ready for suicide by cop. <laughs> like he he's ready. He's 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 looking down that that dirt road, waiting for the cops to come, and he's got that pistol ready to go. <laughs> The pistol he doesn't know how to use. <laughs> um, so Brian Cranston uh, plays Walter White, um, and he's standing there in his underwear. Now, I read a book. I'm looking over here to the side to see if I can see it. It was given to us by um, Rhett. Um, it was given to myself and my friend John Madsen. I don't remember. It's a book about TV shows, and it it's a, a chapter about each particular you know, okay. iconic TV show. Um, and one of them that was covered was Breaking Bad. And I think it was in that book that it talks about how the the writer wrote this up and, you know, put Brian, the, the character of Walter White, in his underwear. And then when it came time for Brian Cranston to, to do this, they were like, hey, are, are you, uh, I'm kind of nervous. Like, are you okay with doing this? And Brian Cranston's response was, well, is this what the character needs to do? And the writer said, yes, then this is what I need to do. Okay. And and so it was, you know, Malcolm in the Middle. I was going to say. Brian Cranston. <laughs> we've seen him do this before, yeah. you know, whatever. And the, I think the writer just didn't want to turn it into a joke. Okay. Um, and he didn't want it to be seen as just a joke, although we laugh at it. It's funny. And it was clearly a joke in Malcolm in the Middle. It was part <laughs> of the gag, right? Um, so, you know, Brian Cranston is, you know, as an actor, is just very much, you know, willing to to do what is necessary for the part um, if it's about the character. And I just wanted to call that particular thing out because it's one of the few little tidbits that I am aware of. I don't – I yeah, that that's, I just wanted to mention that. You know, I read somewhere before we ever got talking about doing Breaking Bad on the podcast – I read an article that was talking about some of the other actors they approached to play the character of Walter White. I don't know any of these people, or at least I don't, I don't know the list of people that they offered it to. Uh, the two that stuck in my mind that I thought, wow, I wonder if that guy is just like kicking himself right now. <laughs> um, Bruce Willis. And why am, I not, why am I drawing a blank on his name? John Cusack. Both had chances to be Walter White. And what a different Walter White we would have gotten. Oh, gosh, man. That I, is. I don't think Bruce Willis could do it. I, that's, I have a very clear picture of what Bruce Willis is. He's an action hero to me. Yeah. Um, and I think he would have had a hard time coming off as a meek, um, simple, you know, very very you know emotionally bright, complex yes right. type of person i don't think i could have bought that, it so that's the, that's what that's what i was thinking is you know if we had bruce willis as the character the character would shift a little bit it would be a harder edgier version of i think the so. character but i think john cusack could totally pull off that that emotional complexity maybe but i don't know that i would buy the the inner core of strength that we get from Brian Cranston, right? Not not trying to 
say anything bad about John Cusack. I think the man's a fantastic actor. Fantastic, and in which he took yeah. all of the roles that French Stewart had gotten. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? You gotta bring French Stewart back to <laughs> So you, you want to a see war him now. In, in Third Rock from the Sun, huh? <laughs> no, I don't think I would have wanted it there. But uh, it would have been a very different take on the character. I just think through what I know of those actors, what I've seen over them develop over their careers, and I think that could have been kind of interesting. Yeah, that good point. Very good point. This uh, Walter White would have been a different person. Um, so my question is, you know, why would you record this? And the the whole quote: "This is not an admission of guilt." <laughs> uh, I still think it's going to be used as evidence against you. But I, he didn't actually admit to doing anything. He didn't. But it goes to state of mind. Yes. Okay. And I I just don't I don't understand how someone can say this is not an admission of guilt but i'm really sorry for everything that i've done for my family Look, the guy is clearly not in a clear mental state as you said it goes to state of mind he's not wearing pants <laughs> in the desert with the cops coming um let's see here uh the simple intro do 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 do, do. i like that it just is enough to you know i can't say i noticed it exactly yeah. and that's that's the nice thing okay it just kind of fades what i did notice away. is how they use the chemical symbols in the different people's names yeah i thought that was kind of a cool touch i here's the thing i don't know if they are all actual chemicals all of them that i noticed are as the season or series goes on i don't think they okay. are okay at least the I I'm not a chemist. I don't well, even I play one on TV. I can I can't claim to have sat down, wrote them all down, and double checked them. But as each one flashed up, I thought, oh, there's argon, and there's you know, borium. I I like I thought of the different chemical or different compounds as they were being flashed in front of us. I thought, yeah, that that one's that what one's I meant real. to do and forgot, uh, and I keep meaning to do and have forgotten because I've never done it. Uh, the B the BR and the BA. Bromine. What's BA? Barium? <laughs> Probably. Oh, I was thinking something totally different. What were you going to say? Badass. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the elemental compounds of the universe. <laughs> I'm not sure it's recognized on the periodic table of elements. Periodic table of awesome, it is. <laughs> periodic table of awesome. Yes, barium. Barium. Okay, so bromine and barium then. Um, cool. All right. Well, glad I was at least 50% correct on those. Um, okay, veggie bacon. Who here has ever had veggie bacon? Not me, but I love Walter Jr.'s comment. This smells like Band-Aids. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what a way to communicate to the viewer just how terrible that stuff is. Can you imagine anything that would taste worse than something that smells like band-aids? <laughs> oh, so terrible, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Walter is turning 50, um, and uh, he normally has bacon that, you know, put on his plate to to indicate the year of, his, uh, of how old he is. Um, so he's 50 years old. Starting off this series, he is 50 years old. Um, and then we'll see by the end of it, like, how old he actually is. Um, the 
The thing that struck me is looking at the veggie bacon, which looked awful. <laughs> it kind of looked like Band-Aids, maybe. Is I've had kind of faux meat before. And it's never been good. <laughs> Ever. I've eaten it because it was served to me and I wanted to be respectful to my host. But it's terrible. It is really awful. And I'm curious if there are vegetarians who are listening who would say, oh, well, this type of pretend meat is actually really good. They all say that. They all say that. But what I'm saying is I would possibly be willing to try some of this fake food um, or fake meat um, because it's real food. I would be willing to try it just as an experiment is what I'm saying. So if, if people know of something and not just like, oh, yeah, tofurkey. No, I want to know if you've actually had it and you actually like it, then I will try it and then report back at some future date to let you guys know how it was. So I have had a thing that I was told was tofu. I've had tofu. I've sure. had tofu before. Yep. Many I, had times. An, I had a dish one time that they said was tofu. I would have sworn it was chicken McNuggets. <laughs> not saying it tasted good by any means. <laughs> I am not lauding the flavor of chicken McNuggets here, but I'm saying I thought that I was eating chicken McNuggets, and I was told it was tofu. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this is going out to our listeners. Again, if there is some sort of meat substitute um, that is pretending to be meat, and you liked it, let me know. I will be willing to try it. That's all. Okay. Okay. Um, we we see a chemistry class. Walter White <laughs> is a chemistry teacher, and I've rem- it brought back very strong memories of chemistry class. And I, unfortunately, was that guy that caused the teacher so much when he drags his stool across the room oh i wanted to punch him so bad so uh chemistry i took when i was a sophomore in high school and um i took it with a bunch of other people who realistically i mean they were a bunch of cut-ups as well i i think there were maybe like three or four people who were serious students who actually were trying in that class okay um i actually got my hat burned in <laughs> class because the teacher would say hey if you don't take your hat off in class i'll take it and i'll burn it and i've you know everybody's like oh, okay all right uh one day i decided no i'm <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna wear keep it. it on <laughs> walk in with it class starts peter take your hat off take it off a few minutes later put it back on <laughs> did this a couple of times he's like peter i'm gonna take your hat i'm gonna burn it i'm like sure put it back on peter give me your hat I- i'm gonna burn it i said go ahead and he s- <laughs> he i was calling his bluff yeah and he was like uh really um like he was now nervous at this point because he had gone all in sure and it was a bluff and i said go ahead burn it so he burned the hat like it stopped like there was no more learning the rest of that class period because he took out the 
He set up the the gas, put out the burner, started up the flame, lit the hat on fire, um, and uh, there was nothing left but the brim and a little piece of you know the the side part that went you know okay. along the the side. And he stapled it up to his wall and. He put a note next to it, don't let this happen to you. And uh, for a few days, I was well-known around the school for being the kid that uh, did this. We we were awful. I did not try in that class. I think I passed with a C. Um, I was a terrible student in chemistry. And it's a hard subject. It is a really difficult subject. Sure. Um, so anyway, seeing that classroom and what that kid was doing... I I don't know how in the world my teacher ever managed to communicate anything to us. See, at my high school, you had to be you had to excel to get into chemistry because they figured this is the class that everybody wants to be in because you get to burn stuff, you get to make <laughs> you know stink bombs or whatever. I, I I don't know what actually goes on in a chemistry class because I didn't do well enough in school. It was open to, to everybody. Uh, the the chemistry it was a it was a standard type of subject that that you. Uh, you get. I didn't do well enough to get into chemistry either. I took biochemistry though, and that was interesting. Cut hmm. up frogs and pigs and other stuff. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, all I heard was Justin likes to cut animals. <laughs> I was I, I was a murderer is born. <laughs> a little bit odd. We had to cut up a pig, and I, I I was able to cut out the tongue. I cut out the tongue. Like I guess I can lick people with the pig's tongue. Maybe it was a little bit strange, but it was amusing in high school. Yeah, I uh, I did uh, fetal pig as well. Um, that was fun. I took earth science three times. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what do you the do class earth that science? they send people to who can't do dumb. <laughs> yep. Oh man, it's like volcanoes and and geology, oh. like basic, really basic geology stuff, things like that. Simple biology, sim- yeah, just simple, simple biology. sciences yeah. kind of yeah. thing. It's the sort of thing you really would have had in like seventh or eighth grade. It's remedial science. And you're like the smartest guy at work now. <laughs> Weird, right? That's, it's a good con I put on, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next note is we see Walter White working at a car wash because he's a, a teacher, so he doesn't make that much money, needs the extra cash. I feel bad for him when he has to wash the kid's car. Like, Oh, yeah. I, that just, you know, I remember being a punk kid, and I would have never let that guy live that down. Next time I saw him at school, being like, hey, next time you make sure you get those rims spotless. I want to see myself, you know. <laughs> so that, that had to be just really soul-crushing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next we see him come home, a surprise birthday. Worst idea ever. And we get to meet two important people. <laughs> Marie. Two terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible people. Yeah. Marie, who is Skylar's. Uh, so Skylar White is Walter White's wife. wife. And her sister is named Marie. And wow, definite sibling rivalry type stuff <laughs> that goes on snot. there. Oh, terrible. And her husband, Marie's husband, is Hank, who is a DEA agent. I can't remember that. I could not remember his name. And he is a terrible human being as well. He's just one of these brash, bravado kind of person. Like, he's the jock in high school. Goes back to my statement that only two kinds of people become police officers, 
bullies and those who were bullied and want to get even. <laughs> uh, and he's uh, pretty much racist as well. Yes. <laughs> very, very racist. Uh, I did make a note here. Brothers-in-law, what can I say? Well, not much unless I want to end up on the couch at home <laughs> the way I do when I stay at Pete's. Um, okay, so after the birthday party, <laughs> I don't really want to get into this oh a lot. Gosh. I was just thinking. It's the worst. Um, so I was thinking, oh, you know, I could watch this with uh, with someone. And then this scene happened, and I thought, nope. Don't want anyone nope. else in the room uh-uh. when that scene comes nope. on. I cannot watch this together with someone else anymore. This, I <laughs> cannot. Because there is a scene between a husband and a wife um, that is very bizarre. Yes. So Skylar is, you know, she's doing something on the computer. She's on eBay selling stuff. She's on eBay. Okay. Um, and uh, then... It was weird. I don't want to get into it any more than to say it was very weird and very awkward to watch. Yeah. But when she's like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) I had to be so emasculating. (laughs) Um, Okay, Walter passes out at work uh, while at the the car wash. Yeah. Ambulance takes him into the hospital. We see an, him get an MRI. We next see he's meeting with a doctor. The, um, the, the cinematography there is really cool. Walter is fixating on this mustard stain <laughs> on yeah. the, and not listening to anything that's happening. Um, and then the doctor's like, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I've got lung cancer. It's inoperable. I've got maybe a year and a half to live. And Wow. And he still focuses. He's like, you know, you got some mustard there on on your your smock. Yeah. There. The interesting wow. thing is that I, you'd think that oncologists at some point would be able to say, you know, I've seen it all. Every possible reaction to that particular piece of news, I've seen it, and I'm prepared to help them. Yeah. And walk them through it. Yeah. That guy, nothing. Well, and what I was going to say is the time that I went to a doctor when they were trying to figure out what was going on with me, and they said, well, it might be this particular kind of cancer. And I thought, what? why would you ever tell someone <laughs> you might have cancer? Like, that just makes no sense to me. That, that word should be reserved for when we're pretty darn certain at this point. You don't go around telling people, yeah, you might have cancer. You might, you might be dead in a year. We're not sure. We're going to do some tests and find out. I can kind of agree with Walter White's uh, response to that in a way. Like when I found out I had cancer, I was just like, oh, okay. What are we going to do now? All right, we're going to do that? Okay, let's do that. Like just it is what it is. And there's nothing you can really change about it. So I can I can see why he would respond that way yeah. from a personal standpoint. I have just learned something I had no idea about. I didn't either. Oh. Uh, we don't need to get into it. It's a if you want to, you can. Thing. I no, no, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't by chance sell meth. No. Okay, okay, good, good, good. I'm I, glad you didn't go down that road. I did get morphing, and that was fun. I did enjoy morphing. That was D- do you time. mind if I ask what uh, type of cancer it was? I had Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 12. So, Wow. It was, it was an interesting time. I got out of school. 
I got a lot of free stuff from people. They were just like, oh, we feel bad. Here's a gift card to Toys R Us. I assume you're in full remission? Oh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a while now. Okay. Likelihood of it coming back? Uh, It's like 95% curable, so probably not. Okay. The one, the one odd fact I do know about is that the the original Dumbledore from uh, the Harry Potter series actually died of it, huh. but then again, he was like eighty something. I don't know. Right. Okay. Yeah. But Richard it was interesting. Lewis. I don't know. I feel like that may have been a singer, not an actor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Interesting. Yeah. I think I would rather just be. I'd. I would be okay with them saying it might be some number of these things. And if cancer is one of them, fine. The doctor in this scene, though, is terrible. Like, I would hope no doctor is ever as... My doctor is that bad every yeah. time. And and that's that's unfortunate. Like, you should have someone who legitimately cares about you. <laughs> and maybe the revolving door that is, you know, their system An of care, <laughs> it, you know, can't offer that. But realistically a human being it doesn't take a lot to be able to connect with a human being in my opinion that should be something that should happen okay so there's a ride-along have any of you ever done a ride-along where you go with the police i have always wanted to do one i think that they would be a blast Um, and i actually have a couple of friends who are in law enforcement and I've just never bothered to work up the courage to ask them to do it. I'm certain that they would let me do it. I would love to go. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't take you on a meth lab takedown. <laughs> um, well, otherwise, I mean, what? No, as a quote-unquote ride-along, what is a DEA agent going to be doing? He's not going out there making typical traffic stops. He's not, you know, making a, a house call. For no, but he may be going to like abuse. local pharmacies and just checking up on inventory issues. There are other things know. that DEA agents do that are not necessarily. There's a high likelihood of explosions, poisonous gases, and people shooting at you. Right. It seemed a little odd. But those me. things could happen. Those things could happen, and, and any of those things could happen when you're on a ride along with a normal right cop. But I don't think they would say, hey, you know what? We've got this meth lab takedown plan. Why don't you go ahead and come on and get in the car? But that that feels like something that uh, the brother-in-law's character would do. He is that uh, kind of a okay. brash guy. You know Absolutely. what? You make, an, you make an excellent point. I retract my criticism. Okay. It's a good thing we have this guy. Hmm? Um, Captain Cook. <laughs> meth with chili powder. And uh, Captain Cook is Jesse Pinkman. Um, I forget who plays the character of Jesse Pinkman. I will figure out who that is for the next podcast. Is it Chris Hardwick? No. no. Kind of looks a little bit like Chris Not Hardwick. Not Chris Hardwick, and that's racist. <laughs> I do hate white people. <laughs> um, anyway, so they run in and take down the meth lab. All the cops go inside. Walter stays in the car. And then Jesse Pinkman comes out of the house next door. And he, you know, falls down. Walter recognizes him. And uh, Jesse makes his getaway. You can even see <laughs> the license plate on the car that he's driving. Um, Walter's like, wow. Uh, what?" Uh, keeps it all to himself. Yeah. Um, and the the next time we see him... 
Walter is approaching him and saying, hey, I need a partner. I, I want to I make some math. Will you help me sell it? <laughs> so here's my question for you, Pete. What would you do if one of your old high school teachers tracked you down and said, hey, I'm about to commit this crime. I could really use your help on it. <laughs> well, I assume they would have uh, found me through LinkedIn. Like I had been endorsed for committing <laughs> these crimes. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's... We just need you to come in and be a project manager on, <laughs> on this crime we've got planned. Make sure everything goes smoothly. Is there a criminal LinkedIn? That'd be really <laughs> oh, interesting. I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh, something tells me no. Something tells me no. I, I, I'll bet you it's run off tour if there is one. <laughs> so um, there is a quote here that I absolutely love. And it is... One of the fundamental pieces about the character of Walter White. Are we really not going to talk about the boobs? Yeah, I was just going to move on past them. Okay. All right. I, d- was there something you wanted to express? The first time I watched this episode, I don't remember seeing them. I know I didn't see them. Okay. I watched them on Netflix, and sure enough, there's a, a topless woman throwing Jesse Pinkman's clothes out of the window. I remember him coming out the window... I don't remember seeing the topless woman. Correct. Very much so correct. Um, Quote, We will produce a chemically pure and stable product that performs as advertised. Close quote. (laughs) Okay. It's a funny line, especially when you're talking about drugs. Yes, illegal drugs. Who cares? They're being sold to junkies, right? Right. But for Walter White, this is a definitive statement about who he is as a person and as a chemist. Like, he doesn't do things half-assed. Sure. You know, we see at the beginning of the episode that he's got a plaque on his wall for being part of contributing to research that was awarded the Nobel Prize. Right. I mean, he's clearly a very serious chemist. Very much so. And to think, wow, that guy ended up teaching high school. I don't know if that's a good thing or a sad thing, but it's a thing. It is a thing. We'll get more information about okay. it. Um, anyway, that line is it is going to dictate a lot of what happens interesting. Uh, throughout the this series. And it is having seen the series already and understanding what all happens – this line from the pilot is carried forward and is is really quintessential fundamental piece of what this character is to have him talk like this that's cool Um, to know i i can't say i got that from the one season you couldn't have okay you 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 couldn't have um okay let's see here walter doesn't care anymore Oh, yeah. Uh, Kicking those kids. So his son, uh, Walt Jr., he has a disability. He has to walk around with crutches. I have no idea what the disability is. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen the series in full. I have no idea what it is that the kid has. It's some sort of maybe cerebral palsy. Uh, I, I don't know. Mentally, apparently, he's just fine. He has a physical disability. Uh, and I think the actor himself actually has hmm. that disability. Anyway, he's trying on some clothes. Some kids start making fun of him. 
Walter Go leaves out the back and then comes back in the front and just beats up the kid and just gets in his face and stomps on his leg and is like, hey, what's so funny now? You, I was floored by that because keep in mind, Walter knows he has cancer now. Mm-hmm. Bit of a, a pansy, I, I think. And now all of a sudden life is changing for him. As he says it later in the episode, I'm awake. Yeah. Yes. Um, what I really wanted him to do in that scene was to use one of his son's canes to beat that kid <laughs> senseless. That's what I really wanted to see happen. It would have been a, a more poetic justice <laughs> to have the guy have his legs broken using the cane that he was just mocking someone else for. So um, we, uh, we have them. They're going to head out and they're going to do the cook. Uh, Walter strips down to his underwear uh, because he doesn't want to have the the smell of all the chemicals on him. Smart, um, you know. He he went and he raided his high school chem lab. Yep, for a lot of materials. It got me wondering. I I wonder how often that happens in the United States of America. It's a lot of high schools with a lot of chemistry labs. Here's the thing: the chemicals and the the equipment and materials weren't anything like the stuff we had in our chemistry okay. lab. You didn't have red phosphorus and... Uh, pretty sure we didn't. <laughs> okay. I don't know if Kim Labs could carry all the supplies you would need to make everything, too. If they would have, like, the, the I, amount. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know that they would have everything. Right. But it made me wonder he, if there's he, this... Actually, to be fair, he did just take hardware. Right. At least that's all I saw him taking. I didn't see him actually taking chemicals off of the okay. shelf. Maybe that was get, coming from someplace else. We okay. don't... I, I guess we don't know. But he would have had, would it, would the hardware have been no, okay. I don't think so. How big was your your high school? Fairly fairly large student body population. There were four hundred. Okay. So no, not in any <laughs> normal sense. Uh, a big high school, very small. Okay. Um. Okay. So they go out. They cook. We see various scenes of them cooking. Um. And we're told uh, after they get done, Jesse's like, holy crap, this is glass grade. Which meth. apparently is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't know my meth grades, but I get a, a feeling that I'm going to learn them. <laughs> uh, essentially, it is like, Jesse's like, how in the world do you make this? This is, this is huge. This is going to sell like crazy because of how pure this is. Um, and, uh, and Walter's like, yeah, yeah, um, okay. Here, here's the question that I'm left with after this scene where, where, cause Jesse says, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do some of this right now. Yep. And Walter says, well, you know, we don't, we don't use the product. We just make it. It got me thinking, I actually don't have any idea how crystal meth is used. Is it smoked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't you remember in the scene? I remember he's, them... He's got a little glass pipe. I remember them having the little glass pipe. I just didn't know for sure if that was... Because I know those are also used for marijuana. The glass pipe? I think marijuana is usually just rolled up and smoked mm. in a joint. I think you can use pipes too. You can, 
You can use a lot of different stuff. I don't Let know. me put this a different way. I've seen someone do marijuana from one of those before. That seems... Perhaps they were using it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that just seems so weird. It's like, because, yeah, I don't understand. I don't, I I don't, don't either. Know. It just made me realize I actually don't have any idea how one uses crystal meth. Isn't it pretty like, much a standard rule? You don't do your own like stuff. You don't do your own supply. You don't do your own product. Yeah, I feel like that's a standard rule. Like, it certainly is a a common trope in film, which is what Jesse Pinkman points out here. He says he's like, you've been watching too much HBO, or he makes some comment equivalent to that. Oh, yeah. and, and it made me wonder if that really is just a TV version of crime that that the everything actual criminals I, legitimately do their own product all the time. I don't know. Everything I know is a lie. <laughs> This is another thing. That statement, uh, only sell, never use, is also another, you know, it's it's going to be seen throughout um, the series. Um, this Not to say he's not a terrible person, but he doesn't use drugs. <laughs> he doesn't. You're the last after marijuana in the next episode. Oh, yeah. um, then we meet Crazy 8. And uh, <laughs> Crazy 8... Um, he, uh, Jesse takes them out to where they're cooking at and, um, they're taken hostage and Walter gets himself out. Yep. You know, he, he talks them through. He's like, look, it's really good stuff. I'll teach you how to do it. Let, let me come teach you how to do it. Brings them in, throws the red phosphorus into the boiling water, causes the phosphine, phosphine gas. Um, and like locks the door the one of them you know it looks like they both die yeah uh from this which holy cow gutsy to manage to get himself out of that but in the course of this a fire is started because of a thrown cigarette uh and so walter picks up jesse puts a gas mask on him puts a gas mask on himself and starts driving the RV away from the fire, loses control of the vehicle, crashes into the ditch, which is where we started the episode from. And uh, so here's one thing in this scene that I don't know, just seemed weird. Walter's a chemist, a very good chemist. Does he not know that fanning the flames is only going to make the fire bigger? He's like he's not whipping it, he's not hitting it with his his uh, apron. He's fanning it. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was trying. I think he was trying to right. uh, to beat him down, but it's a moot point. There's no way in the world he's ever going to be no. able to control that unless he's got a hose. Have you ever started started a fire, Pete? Well, I've started several fires in my Have life. Have you ever started a open fire, an uncontrolled? No, fire? I've never done that. Yes. Okay. Good. So have I. It's, <laughs> it does get pretty scary pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, especially around dry grass. Yeah, and in, especially in the desert. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Walter attempts suicide and can't do it. <laughs> can't get the safety off. <laughs> um. And then he kind of comes to his senses it's fire engines they just roll right on past Um, here's the one thought i had there though can you imagine the conversation that those firefighters are having (laughs) bill 
Are you seeing some white guy standing in the middle of the desert with his under in his underpants holding a gun? Sure am, Tom. Man, white people do the weirdest stuff. Sure do, Tom. <laughs> uh, I think he had hidden the gun by then, though, so they wouldn't have seen the gun. Okay. Wouldn't have seen the gun. Okay. Still just I, a man in his underwear in the desert. I'm not convinced he got the gun behind his back in time that they didn't see it, but I'll, I'll grant you. Um, next scene that I had a question about is he has money in the dryer. Yeah, I had that question too. It, it, the, we get the answer in the next episode. Yeah, okay. I wondered if that was the case, yeah. but I guess it was. Um, and then... We get another weird sex scene. Yes, and this time... Skyler, his wife, uh, once they're done, says, Walt, is that you? <laughs> no, that's when it's worth starting. <laughs> um, it was kind of weird to watch, but I'm assuming that this is some sort of emotional, pardon the phrase, release um, for for Walter. Because he's been given a death sentence. Yep. He's now made some really terrible decisions, and as far as he knows, he's killed these two people. Granted, terrible human beings in society, but still killed two people. And I, I wonder what the 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 psychological um, impact is to this guy. And it is he's he's changing. In, I, in I these don't think ways. the term psychotic break is misapplied here. I think release was a good way to say it. This is him taking something for himself in a way, I think. Yes. This is what he needs at this moment. He's going to take it. Ooh, good. I like that. I like that. Because it wasn't, it didn't seem terribly consensual. consensual. (laughs) Like, it sort of was. She was going to go along with it. It was fine. It wasn't though he raped his wife. That didn't happen. But it was, she was very much surprised from the way that, I'm sure they probably normally do mm-hmm. uh, their their intimate and the awkwardness uh, of it exchange. I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far into that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, any other comments from the, either of you for this episode? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, emails. Uh, we are going to do uh, listener M is the only one who actually broke his email his uh, uh, each episode. Uh, Brainy and then one other person just sort of did it as a lump. So I'll read those. At the end of the the second? Yeah. Uh, M says, um, Pilot, a.k.a. the beginning of everything, suicide is not a solution. But cooking crystal meth is. (laughs) That's the the lesson that a brilliant high school chemistry teacher comes up with to solve his family's money problems. Jesse Pinkman, a rather dim-witted fellow, joins him because of his experience in the drug world. These two deserve credit for their amazing portrayals of these characters. It doesn't take long for their plans to unravel, and things uh, start to get out of their control. Thanks to Walt's quick thinking, they have something of an advantage. But you never quite know if these heroes are going to survive. My biggest complaint is not with this episode, but rather Netflix. Why do they show this episode with a missing scene? I suppose it is rather coarse, but it does provide a bit of a background into the marriage relationship of Walter and Skylar. Are you guys watching the DVDs or the Netflix version? 
I'm watching Netflix. You're watching... I guess DVD, probably? Probably you are watching the DVD. If it's the same thing I watched, um, which I would imagine would have come off of the DVD, uh, the the release from that. Um, So what's the scene that's missing on Netflix? I think what he's saying is it's a scene that didn't show up in the regular broadcast. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, At least that's the only thing I'm thinking of and. I don't know which of those it were was. I would have assumed the topless woman throwing the clothes out the window. But, I don't know, one of the other uh, scenes we mentioned. Okay. TV 9, Drama 9. Um, okay, Joey, what do you give this uh, as a rating for, for television? You know, I, I gave this a 7, but mostly for Brian Cranston's portrayal of Walter White. Uh, it seemed a very believable break that a person would have with the life that he has, the life that we can perceive that he's led. Like, we are not given a whole lot about his background yet other than just to say, look, what kind of life produces a guy like this? And we, I think we can kind of intuit some of the events of his life. He's kind of, I think you said it earlier, he's a very meek kind of guy. He's a mouse of a man, so to speak. Um and yet he clearly has this thing inside of him that is this gnawing, snarling monster that's just ready to come leaping out. And here it comes. And I just think Brian Cranston nailed that. Okay. Uh, Justin, what, what would you give a rating for this? I'd give TV 8, maybe somewhere around there. It's, it's, it's good. They do a good job of setting up characters, setting up story arcs, kind of with this initial episode. You understand who is what and what role they're going to play probably play in the uh, upcoming events it's not any it's not an episode i would return to very much it has some good parts but nothing that i'm like super wild by you know i absolutely agree with you uh on that i i think the uh this is as a pilot is phenomenal it's a great opening to um to what this series is going to be um and uh, the writing's great the acting is great i i bought into the premise of everything um, so I give this an eight as well. Um, it's, it's really, and, there are better episodes in the series, but as, as this goes, great, great introduction. Moving on to our next episode, the cats in the bag. Walter and Jesse try to dispose of the cousins. Skylar confronts Jesse. A bathtub full of formerly human goop falls from the second story to splash all over a hallway. Um, so my first note was, hello, Brian Cranston's butt. (laughs) Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't think Brian Cranston's butt was worth commenting on. I have no notes on it whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, so they managed to get pulled out of the ditch. Um, they, uh, there's some person, um, Native American who I'm assuming lives nearby with a big backhoe, pulls them out, and then, um... They start to give the guy all Money. of these excuses. Oh, oh! I just can't believe you know what happened uh, with this. Spilled uh, coffee all over my pants. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, this is just getting weird now. <laughs> and then he uh, pulls some cash out of the bag, and then he goes back and pulls more. <laughs> and, and it's, and it it's all <laughs> goopy and gross. And I think that's why he literally launders the money yeah i mean there had been all the the water and the chemicals that uh, spilled over uh the the ground um 
so yeah, Walter says, you know, hey, this is it. We're done. Let let's split. Um, I you know I can't do this. They they drive away, and we see that there is a gas mask. Yeah, left in there. And it's sort of like, well, they made a clean getaway. Uh, maybe, maybe not so much. Maybe not. And uh, then they realize someone's still alive. <laughs> they, you know, they they hear movement back there, and uh, it uh, it's going to be Crazy Eight is the one who who is still alive. Um, the the next thing I wrote down, <laughs> even the small busted girls have cleavage. <laughs> so okay. this is Walter <laughs> sitting there, and he's telling this story. About, you know, high school. And it's a typical dull, boring story that you would expect. And it's being told very, very dull. <laughs> and um, he's talking about... Uh, um, the invention of the Wonder Bra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the fact that, oh, yeah, at high school now, the, the kids, they don't have to use the photographer they can actually go and get a photographer that they want. And, and so, you know, the, one of the ladies in the office has been having to go through and review all of these photos because there's cleavage being shown. <laughs> Even the small-breasted girls have cleavage. And, you know, uh, Walt Jr. says, yeah, it's, it's the Wonder Bra, <laughs> which is such a weird conversation <laughs> to, to be having as a family at the dinner table. And then the phone rings a couple of times, <laughs> and it's AT&T calling. <laughs> Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> it's good. I would not have thought of that. Oh, my goodness. That is very, very funny uh, <laughs> to, to see that as, he, as he's trying to get to, uh, Walter's attention. Um, he is – he's in class. They're, t- they're uh, uh, going over some lecture <laughs> – is and this going to be on the murder? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. He's like, what? Is this going to be on the midterm? Oh, uh, no. Maybe. Yes, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, you should just learn it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never asked a teacher that. Did you ever ask a teacher that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Is this going to be... I just assumed everything they taught us was going to be part Which, of a test at some point. To, to circle back to Joey's Culture Corner uh, is the... The the idea we're teaching kids how to pass a test. Yeah, we're not Ooh. we're not educating kids. Not teaching them how to acquire knowledge. We're teaching them how to pass a test, which I absolutely think is one of the fundamental flaws of education. But I don't know of a better way of testing how well a student knows a thing. Um, so anyway, okay. But yeah, the is this going to be on the the midterm? Um, so they have. Crazy eight. They have left him out in the in the RV, all taped up, so he he can't get away. Jesse's in the house, and he hears, you know, movement. He goes outside and sees the duct tape is no longer on Crazy Eight, and he's gone. And yep. Jesse's freaking out. Just as that time, Walter <laughs> is driving down the road and suddenly sees Crazy Eight, and he's like, "Holy cow!" And he goes after him, and he's like, hey, what, what are you doing? Get, get in the car. And Crazy Eight gets scared <laughs> and starts running away, runs directly into a tree, and knocks himself 
over. That is just so funny for me to watch. Yeah, the the note that I'm in here is at the, it's at that point that I realized, you know, these first few episodes at least of Walter White's life, very Shakespearean tragedy. <laughs> and Shakespeare's tragedies, in my opinion, were the funnier things that he wrote. Um, and, and the comedies, you know, what we would call what we call Shakespeare's comedies, we are probably much far sadder, uh, largely. Um, and it's just like this this weird combination of events because there's no what's he, what's he going to do? He's not going to physically overpower Crazy Eight and get him in the car. It just works out well for him that Crazy Eight, in his terror, running from the man who tried to poison gas him, runs headlong into a tree and knocks himself out cold. Yes, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, with one distinction that I would like to make, I think he could have physically overpowered him. I don't think he would have. I don't think Walter White is at the point yet where he's ready to try. I okay. agree with that. Fair enough. Um, he loads him up into his vehicle, drives him back over to Jesse's, and they take him downstairs. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, he's unconscious. And then they hear him moving around again. It's like, oh, man. So they go and find a lock. <laughs> a bike lock. <laughs> Holy cow. I, I like how hard Jesse's trying to make sure that this guy's not going to get out of here. Like he puts it around himself and he's try- wrenching at his own head, trying to see, yep, this thing will hold. <laughs> oh, man. So he ne- they now have Crazy 8 captive in the basement. And the just the two of them constantly bickering back and forth, Walter and uh, Jesse. Uh, Jesse uh, which, by the way, uh, Justin looked it up. Aaron Paul is uh, is the actor who plays Jesse Pinkman. Um, and they get into this conversation of we've got to do something with with the body. Like, what are we going to do with this? Um, and Walter's solution is hydrofluoric acid. I love this term, chemical disincorporation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Um, and they decide to to flip a coin. One of us has to get rid of the dead body. The other one has to kill the live person the one who's still alive and so they flip a coin walter has to kill the guy and he tells jesse okay go and buy uh, a plastic bucket and um it's it's got to be a specific type polyethylene and uh, um, jesse is there in the store he doesn't know which one he's like which one am i supposed to get uh, what and Walter tells him, then he's getting into the bins to see, you know, if it can actually hold him, which is funny because Jesse really is just an idiot. And he's kind of slapstick a little bit. Very much so. So he's only trying these, we only see him looking at these blue bins, which sort of, it might do the job, but they're not big enough. My thought was, why wouldn't you go and find one of those gray, big, plastic trash bins? Uh, okay. Like, that would have been the like thing a, like I would have looked for. style bins? Yes. That's going to hold a dead body. <laughs> Absolutely is going to hold a dead body. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was, that was my thought. I just didn't that. understand why, with everything else that's gone on, just in... 
the little bit of Jesse Pinkman's life that we've seen, why he's so bothered by the idea of dissolving a human body in acid. To me, that is not something that makes me the least bit squeamish. <laughs> now, <laughs> killing someone, okay, I can understand that. I don't understand why you... It's a dead body. It's just meat now. There's no one there anymore. It's just a thing. It doesn't matter what you do to it anymore. As the Klingons say, it's just a husk. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing more left in it. Um, yeah. Thank goodness it doesn't come out this way because it is so much funnier <laughs> and interesting for Jesse to have to dispose of the body. I think an argument could have been made by Walter. Look, I've already killed one of them. I took care of that. Jesse, you're responsible for killing the next one. Okay. An argument could be made for that. But once again, Walter White's not at the point where he is going to yeah. maybe take control of the situation in the way that he would force Jesse to kill. Yes, the way I would have given the situation. Um, so, working up the nerve to kill someone. Emotionally, mentally, it is playing havoc on Walter to try and do this. He gets to the point where he's he's like... He can't do this. He starts smoking a joint to try and cool himself off. Uh, you know, how is he going to do this? The question, I don't know what is wrong with me, but the question I came up with after writing that other statement, what weapon would you choose? Uh, it's interesting that you asked that because I already had my answer ready. <laughs> it was my main note for this episode. The baseball bat. It's right there. Ugh. It's right I, there. I don't think I could do the baseball bat. I think the baseball. What what would you have selected? I don't know. I mean, he go, he's going through the. You know, he's got a knife. Okay, the hammer. Worst idea because no, that's going to punch not. through. It will. Yeah, it I would, agree. that would that would just be the tough way to kill somebody. The baseball bat. You just close your eyes and swing away. I don't think I could do that to another human being that's alive. <laughs> I would rather maybe just shut the door and. Hope something figures itself out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tighten the bike lock down a little. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the worst thing, the worst thing he does is to feed the guy. Like, that's sure. more cruel than killing him. Keep and him I alive. Don't understand. Help him get stronger. <laughs> I don't understand how he can't see. I'm just making this worse. Yeah, I'm just being more cruel to this guy. Um, if I had to make a choice, I think it would be the knife. I mm. think it would probably, it seems like the easier thing to do. He's already locked up against it. Hold the head back, take it around, bleed out. You're done. I couldn't swing a baseball bat and ha and feel the thud. I don't think I could handle that. I don't think I could handle cutting Mentally. someone's throat. Wow. I guess I think we, that's I a guess way more. We personal finally crime. found the thing that separates the differences between you and I. <laughs> Whenever people tell us we're the same now, say no, no, no. <laughs> I I could never slash someone's throat. I totally would rather hit them with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with us that we're having this conversation? Oh my goodness! I I do think I could kill someone with a baseball bat if I had no, to. I couldn't. I, I definitely could not. Get in close with the mm -hmm. knife. I'd have to really hate the person to use the knife. The baseball bat just makes me really think about Inglorious Bastards and that scene in that movie, and that just is a little, kind of disturbing. To where I don't think I could. I it just <laughs> it, it only it's takes not, one well placed hit though. They don't have to go, you know, into a five minute. <laughs> it's not. It's not quick enough to the point where I would feel bad. 
the person would have to be terrible for me to be like, okay, I can do this. But I don't know if I, there could be anyone terrible enough for me to, to Here, Here's want the, that. an interesting thought. Um, he has guns. Why didn't he just choose a gun, and why didn't any of us choose a gun? I don't think it would be the smart thing to do because you're in a neighborhood. That's exactly why I didn't. Someone's going to hear that potentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it seems like the easiest way to go about no, doing I, it. I, I specifically stayed away from the gun because it'd make too much noise in the neighborhood. But here's the other idea I had. This is this should be right up Walter White's alley. Put a hose on the RV, run it down into that basement, and run the RV. Uh, attach it to the tailpipe of the RV. And then turn the engine on. And then wait for the guy to die. We're spending too much time on how to kill people, I think. <laughs> I, I think we're not spending enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you want to be prepared. When that moment comes, be ready to make the decision. Yeah, it is interesting, though, that he then supplies Crazy 8 for potentially a long amount of time. <laughs> Gives him the, the food, the water... Toilet paper. The bucket. <laughs> the bucket, the toilet paper, and the hand sanitizer. <laughs> heaven forbid. I did not notice that. Yeah. Heaven forbid he might have, Some you know, germs. dirty hands. <laughs> Holy. Oh, so bizarre. Um, okay, so we're at the sonogram appointment. We find out Skylar is having a little girl. Yeah. Walter's excited about that. And... Um, then the, the doctor leaves the room, and Walter just kind of recedes into himself, and Skyler's like, who's Jesse Pinkman? Yeah. And Walter comes up with his first lie to Skyler, which is, I buy pot from him. And he tries to display it off as no big deal, not yada yada. And she keeps going on, and he comes away with this line that is just whoa where in the world did that come from it came out of years of marriage (laughs) i shouldn't say that but it's Uh, where it came from can you climb down out of my ass can you can can you just do that can you give me some space and just climb down down out of my ass i i don't need this which is weird because this was a, a a calm conversation this was not like her yelling and screaming (laughs) this is not like irrational people who you know going crazy no this seems like a normal conversation and he just kind of in my opinion he overreacts greatly Uh, i I was perfectly fine with that delivery i thought it showed many many years of marriage and how the little things build up and then when there is just nothing left in the tank that one last little piece goes in and you're done. Well, it's clearly not the right thing to say. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> moving a body at a very bad time. Skylar shows up <laughs> just as Jesse's moving the body out of the, the trailer. Why in the world he's doing it? In the middle of the day? In the middle of the day. I don't understand. Never move a body in the middle of the day. Wait till the nighttime. Let darkness be your cover. Um but it is a very funny scene as she doesn't notice. And when she finally turns around, um, he he stands in just the right place. So you, you can't see what's behind him. Uh, very, uh, very, very funny st- uh, um, scene. Uh, 
You know, we did skip over in in the earlier scene when Jesse comes back from the hardware store and he's telling Walter, look, no store in town sells a bin large enough for a body. Yeah. And Walter's response is, well, you know, I suppose you could just – he makes kind of this motion of the end, <laughs> you know, legs in one, torso in the other. <laughs> and on our way to dinner, I, I was commenting on how Justin – Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I own a bin big enough to get rid of Justin's body. This is so terrible. (laughs) I'm just saying, the bin's there. No, we are not getting rid of Justin. Aside from being a good guy, he pays his rent on time. I kill the spiders, too. And kill spiders. Kill spiders. If ever... All of those things cease to be true. <laughs> I, I own a baseball bat and a plastic no, bin. <laughs> no, no. Use, use the knife. No. Uh, for for all law enforcement and uh, judges and jury who are listening to this, <laughs> we're not planning anything. No one's going to get hurt. And if they did, it was all Joey's idea. Um, okay, so Walter comes home and, uh, or goes to, to Jesse's house. They start bickering again, and he's like, "Well, I, f- I finally took care of my end of the of the deal." And uh, why you know, did you send upstairs- me all over town looking for <laughs> when I can just use my bathtub upstairs? <laughs> and Walter's like, "Uh, hold on." Goes into the hallway, looks up, and notices the ceiling in the hallway is leaking fluid, and it's coming down, and you can see like little steam rising up off of the floor, and then. The, the ceiling <laughs> falls out and down comes what I would like to just have it be known as Emilio Stew. <laughs> the partially um, chemically disincorporated uh, remains of Emilio. Yes. And it, it, it goes everywhere. Now, I can't remember what happens in the next episode, but as I'm watching that stuff drip from the fir- second floor down to the first floor, I thought, but it should be convenient if Crazy Eight was one more floor <laughs> down. <laughs> oh, that would be awful. <laughs> anyway, that was really, really gross. I, I thought it was a great uh, special effect that they did. That was very di- brilliantly disgusting. The the human remains that were in the bottom of that tub. So gross. So this is one of these scenes. Um, that when I was watching it the first time, John was like, yeah, well, let me know what you think of episode two. <laughs> um, and apparently this really kind of turns people off and for obvious reasons. Sure. If this is a gory, gross scene, aside from the episodes themselves being really pretty, uh, dark. Yeah. Um, it is off putting to say the least. Anyway, um, episode ends. Comment any other comments you guys wanted is, is to make? Is it fair to say that if you're bothered by this, stop now? Because it's only going to get worse. Um, I, I think I don't think it's as like visually gory. Gory. There are still there. There's definitely going to be more people are going to die. And there's a lot of grim that. stuff that happens, right? Just like dark and, and unpleasant things happening to people. I'll, I'll say this. For, I don't know if I've told you this before. This is not a happy story. There's no happy ending. At the end of season five... Well, sure, he's got to die of cancer at some point. It, it, it is not going to be a fun, like, 
Oh, that yeah, that fantastic. And and Walter and Skylar reconnect and everyone's happy again. <laughs> Walter was redeemed. Yeah, it it is not a pleasant episode or a series and many many episodes throughout are going to be gritty and in your face and I don't think they are quite as gory as this okay. was. Okay. Okay. Let us uh, do comments here. Uh, Listener M. Cats in the bag. It is often difficult to tell who the hero is in the show. Walter is crazy good at manipulating others so that he is always right. But people who cross him are not exactly the salt of the earth good people type either. It could easily be argued that the people Walt kills deserve to die. TV 8, Drama 7. Well, here's hoping you both can record podcasts on a, f- on a more frequent schedule. I would suggest Pete give up his running around and kicking the ball, sportsing he thinks he likes. <laughs> Have a great week uh, later, listener M. Uh, by the way, I haven't been playing any sports because I have a torn meniscus, so I'm not doing any sports. Uh, not, a, not a thing that's going on. Uh, no excuses. Listener Ram, thank you very much. Really appreciate you uh, uh, taking the time to send stuff in. Let's go over to Brainy. He says, did the tub fall through the floor yet? I can't remember, (laughs) but I love that part more than most moments I can remember seeing live. I unfortunately didn't get to rewatch the two episodes for this week, but I think I should point out that uh, that I have only watched the first season of Breaking Bad and have been patiently saving myself for the forecasted experience to view it with the overlords. So Joey, you will be able to have some sort of comeuppance, (laughs) I suppose, and torture me all you want. I just want to make sure that the podcast will remain spoiler free. If not, I'll go ahead and fly through just so, uh, fly through. So just let me know. Yay for everyone. Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Um, I'm not planning to talk about spoilers. And I don't know any more than you do, Brady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I suppose, you know, Joey, you have access to the internet and can look. Uh, your choice. It's up to you. Again, I, I've I, seen I, this I first care. season. I'm not, I don't feel compelled right now to go look at anything. Right. I may later. Uh, Brainy, maybe stick it out for a little while. I don't, uh, like I said, it, within the context of the podcast, I don't think we're going to be talking about spoilers. And I've already asked any of the listeners who are listening, don't write in spoilers. I'm going to try and keep them out as much as I can. Um, let's go over to uh, my friend Sean. This is the guy who did uh, Salty Lake Radio. Um, he uh, wrote in, hey guys, about time. Can't wait to see how things work out with Breaking Bad. I started listening to the podcast right when Battlestar started, so I know nothing else. I have goose flesh just thinking about it. Anyway, looking forward to what you guys have to say, there are a couple of really cool things that Vince Gilligan did with the show that I hope we get to hear you talk about, including the use of character-slash-mood-specific colors and some great storytelling. Can't wait to see where it goes. Sean. Uh, postscript, uh, I haven't logged into Facebook in over a year, so I don't, uh, uh, so I don't remember the password to post this onto your page, but I thought it would be good for everyone to see. Um, and so I'm just going to show you this here, uh, the, the, the meth, uh, 
not even once. And it shows um, a very young Brian Cranston and a very old, haggard <laughs> Brian Cranston. Um, yeah, so anyway, that was good. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, Sean, very much for uh, for sending something in. We would love to hear your thoughts on this, as long as they kind of remain spoiler-free. I don't know everything about the series other than the episodes that I've watched. So I, I don't have any particular connection to any more information than um, you know i had noticed else. some some funny stuff going on with the lighting i didn't pick up that it was mood specific i'll have to pay more attention to that yeah okay um pete what's your rating i'm gonna give this a nine wow i really really love this episode and it probably is because of the ending emilio emilio stew um when that happens, holy cow, what a visceral sort of thing it uh, um, you know conjures up inside of me. And all of the, the difficulty that Walter's going through, all of it feels believable to me. Every part of these characters feels believable to me. Jesse Pinkman is an idiot and is moving a body in the middle of daylight. I absolutely believe that Jesse Pinkman is an idiot and would move a body in the middle <laughs> of the day. You know, all of this stuff, funny, though some of the scenes may be completely believable, and I love it. Okay. Justin? Uh, my recollection of this episode isn't that good. I'm going to give it, for right now, just a 7. It was a long time ago when I watched it, so from what I can remember of it, it, it was it was all right. It was pretty good. Um it wasn't anything once again that wowed me. Like it had some nice character moments that were that really spoke to who the characters were, especially moments where uh, uh, Walter White maybe snapped at his wife for a little bit about you know <laughs> that showing kind of his state of mind. But overall, like I, I don't remember much of it, so it's not making that much of an impact. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at a seven. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. I do remember again. You know, I only watched that first season, and I honestly thought a lot of the events that happened. As I thought back, a lot, a lot of the events that happened here in episode two, I had thought happened throughout the whole first season. Like, I didn't realize how much the story moves in this one episode. And when I think back on it, you know, from just a, a recollection of having watched it when it first aired, I, I was I was thinking it was much more of a sedate pace throughout the season that, that we got these little pieces of character development. Uh, I, so for that, I really enjoyed you know the the amount of information and, and characterization they packed into one episode but again i also really enjoyed and got a kick out of the comedic tragedy that this episode is mm. yeah it's a good way of putting that the comedic tragedy i like that really like that well that brings us to the end of another podcast we hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening. It's good to see you again. So good to see you again.